Well, I as well welcome you to Big Valley Grace Community Church here in our online campus, our worship gatherings this weekend. And if you are here and you're with us for the very first time today, I want you to know that we're glad that you are. And we hope that this is an encouragement. We hope that you're already encouraged as we sing and worship to God, as we bring gifts to him, as you hear about what's happening in the life of the body of Christ here, the local assembly of believers at Big Valley Grace. And I I hope that you're really encouraged as we get into God's word together. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. That's where the the passage is that we're going to jump from in scripture this weekend. But I want to share with you a few things. Uh, First of all, this weekend at Big Valley Grace Community Church, there's a lot of gatherings. We have the online campus gatherings all weekend, which you're a part of right now. On our Modesto campus, we have Church on the Field at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. On our series campus, we have Church in the Park, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. I just want to share with you how we're planning and hoping for what's coming up Uh, real soon here, and that is we're planning on being able to add to what we're currently doing or modify into what we're currently doing to be able to add indoor worship gatherings in a particular way, and I want to share with you how that is on both of our physical campus locations, Modesto Campus and Sirius Campus. First of all, for the Modesto Campus, we're planning that there is potential that next weekend, October 17th and 18th, that we'd be able to have indoor worship gatherings pending a tier change that will take place in our county on Tuesday, October 13th. And for our series campus, we're planning on being able to have indoor worship gatherings beginning November 1st, again, pending what we're hoping is gonna happen on Tuesday, which is a tier change for our county on the 13th, this Tuesday. So my encouragement is check bigvalleygrace.org. That is where there'll be the most up-to-date information. In fact, on Wednesday, October 14th this week, I plan to communicate to our church family just what we've learned and what our plan is for the upcoming weekend. And, you know, scripture teaches us in Ephesians 4 something really incredible, that the grace of God transforms us. The grace of God transforms us and And when the grace of God transforms us into a citizen of heaven, that we, uh, by grace, are able to equip for Jesus Christ. In fact, the scriptures teach in Ephesians 4.12 that the leaders of the church are to be equippers to the saints of God. That's the, the body of Christ, the people who are a part of the family of God for the purpose of serving in ministry. And we want you to know we want to equip you. We want to come alongside you and we want to equip you. We're equippers and we want to equip you in Jesus Christ. And as we move forward on our two physical campus locations in adding indoor uh, worship gatherings, which we'll we'll share more about uh, real soon, we just want you to know we would like to partner with you in doing that. We would like you to have opportunity to use your God-given gifts to serve, whether it's on the Modesto campus or the Ceres campus. And so we want to challenge you to do that. You can actually just go to bigvalleygrace.org forward slash serve and you can sign up right now and say, hey, we're, you know, count me in, church family. I want to be a part as we're, uh, you know, hoping to be able to bring worship gatherings back indoors and use our facilities 
Count me in. I, I want to be a part of that. And I, I want to maybe answer a few questions, maybe even before you have the you know, opportunity to ask them, but I want to share a few things. The first is that we're going to continue to seek to be obedient to all the commands of scriptures, including the ones that have to do with how the church is supposed to operate, including how the church is to be in relation to governing authorities instituted by God. And we are gonna be asking you to help us honor our governing authorities in some really practical ways as we, as a local assembly, a body of Christ, uh, begin to use our facilities for indoor worship gatherings and other ministries throughout the week. And on BigValleyGrace.org is going to have the most current information of how we're asking you as our church family to partner with us. So we just encourage you to go there and you'll find the information that you need um, on our website. And so let's be praying. Lots of things to be praying about. Let's be praying. Let's be praying about that. And uh, hopefully this week we... uh, we move from purple to red together as a county, and, and that'd be a really great thing. I want to encourage you regarding this devotional. It's a 50-day adver- adventure journal. You can download it for free uh, on our website right now at bigvalleygrace.org. My family has really, really enjoyed using this. We've used it every day, Monday through Friday. My wife does a recap on Saturday and sends it out. We've, we've taken pictures of it, text it, email to one another. It really fosters dialogue. It really fosters conversation. And I just want you to know how excited I am because of how it has really engaged uh, my older children, especially, and hearing them share about what's sticking out to them from the devotional, what's sticking out to them from the weekend messages. The dialogue has been really rich in my home. And I just wanna encourage you that in your residence, you'd be having dialogue about Jesus. You'd be having dialogue about what Jesus teaches. And this is a great tool uh, to do that. So have your residence be a, a, a residence of worship, a residence of discipleship. And um, this tool is available for you online. I really encourage you to take advantage of it. It's absolutely free. Well, as we get into the scriptures, we're in Exodus chapter 20. Specifically, we'll just be looking at one verse from Exodus chapter 20, and that is verse uh, 15. But before we get into that, I share that we're in a series about the 10 10 commandments and in Exodus chapter 20, you can go and you can read through what all 10 of those commandments are. We're going to be looking at number eight this weekend. And before I read to you what the eighth commandment is, I want to share with you something that Paul wrote. Paul was uh, an apostle. He, He wrote something pretty incredible to a young minister named Timothy. And we find this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And Paul says this, that the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the message of the gospel, and it is trustworthy, and it's deserving of full acceptance. But then Paul says something really, really incredible at the end. He says something about himself. He says, of whom I am the foremost. He's saying, I'm first in line as a sinner. When when you line up all the sinners and, and you see who's at the top of the class, he's saying, I'm the foremost sinner. And A question I think that's worth asking is 
what, why would a guy like the Apostle Paul make that type of claim that he's the foremost sinner? He was the apostle to the Gentiles, which means that I, as a non-Jewish person, am a Gentile, and because of the Apostle Paul bringing the gospel to Gentiles, I, as a Gentile, now understand that I have the gospel available to me. So his, his ministry has impacted the globe. It's, it's impacted me personally. And it's, you know, the, the work that the apostle Paul did for Jesus Christ, it's God has used that work for a couple thousand years. In fact, Paul, he writes 13 books of the Bible. They're, they're all letters, really. 13 letters. In fact, it's, it's 70 pages of the Bible, of my Bible. I counted them. 70 pages the Apostle Paul wrote. He was used by God in an incredible way, and yet he makes this statement. I'm at the front of the line when it comes to sinners. Well, I think it's because he had um, an understanding of the Ten Commandments. He had an understanding of the law. You see, James, he writes this. James in 2 verse 10 says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one point has become guilty of all of it. So if, if I keep the entire law of God, but at just one moment, at one time, I fail to keep one aspect, I've actually become guilty of the entire law. I think Paul understood that. I think Paul knew his own sin. He knew that he wasn't perfect. And he knew the law of God. In, in Romans, the, one of the letters that Paul writes to the believers in Rome, in, in chapter seven, verse seven, he says, if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. So the, the law has a real function in helping us understand what is the righteous standard of God. And so when we get to Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, we find this commandment. This is the eighth commandment. And it is, you shall not steal. And Paul's saying, if it weren't for the commandment, I wouldn't know that when I stole, it was wrong. And so because I have this commandment, you shall not steal, I now know that when I steal, it is wrong and it is sin. And he continues in the letter to the church, the believers in Rome, in chapter 7, verse 12, and he says that the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. But he goes on in verse 21 and he says that there's a problem. And in chapter seven, in his letter to the Romans, he says this, when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. So I recognize that the law of God is holy, the commandment is holy, it's righteous and good, but when I wanna do what's right, evil lies close at hand. Jesus explains this reality in John chapter 10, verse 10, and he gives a contrast between two individuals. The first individual he calls the thief. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the first individual, is the thief. The second individual is Jesus himself. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
we see the mission statement of two individuals here. There's a mission statement of the thief. The thief has a mission statement to steal and to kill and destroy. And Jesus has a mission statement to give life abundantly. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter five, verse 17, it's recorded that Jesus says that he actually came to fulfill the law. And when we see the law of God, you shall not steal, or any of the law of God, we need to recognize that Jesus is the fulfillment of it. Jesus is holy. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is good. And Jesus fulfills all of the law, all of the law, all of the commandments that are holy, righteous, and good, they're fulfilled in the person of Jesus. But there's a thief. The thief is real. And the thief wants to steal. The thief wants to kill. The thief wants to destroy. Remember what I shared about the apostle Paul? He says, when I wanna do what's good, I find that evil lies close at hand. Let me explain a little bit more about that. Peter he writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, he says, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. Resist him firm in in your faith. He says, be sober-minded. Your mindset, it really matters. Your mentality, it really matters. How you're thinking matters. And I wanna look at mentality as it really applies to this eighth commandment, which is you shall not steal. And I would propose that we can better understand this eighth commandment, you shall not steal. We can better understand it by progressing through three mentalities. And these are three mentalities of ownership, which is really what this commandment is about. You shall not steal. It's about who owns what. And so I use the word progressing because I think that all of us this weekend, we have a step to take. No matter which, where you find yourself in these three mentalities of ownership, we all have a step to take, and I would encourage you to take a step. I use the term mentalities because we need to evaluate our thinking, and we need to be sober-minded. So this first mentality is the mentality of the thief, and this mentality is the steal-to-own mentality. That's the thought process, is a steal-to-own mentality. This mentality celebrates, I don't have to work for it. That, that's what this mentality celebrates. <laughs> I don't have to work for it. And in Ephesians chapter four, verse 28, we see Paul say this, let the thief no longer steal. So we're gonna look at this verse multiple times, but we're just gonna look at that phrase right there. Let the thief no longer steal. I wanna take you back to the original theft. Where did, the, where did thieving begin? Well, it began in the garden of God. We're gonna observe the first theft. In Genesis chapter two, verses 16 and 17, it says, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So first of all, God commands. 
This is like the first Bible study, God commands. But the second thing is that God expresses his ownership and he says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. God's saying that tree is mine, that tree is not yours. And then we find ourselves in chapter three, verse six, and something incredible happens. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. How did we get from that Bible study where God's commanding and he's expressing his ownership, that tree's mine, it's not yours, to this moment where it says that she took it, she took the, the, the fruit and that she gave some to her husband also and he ate of it. Well, in Genesis chapter three, verse one, we find out something really, really incredible. It says that the serpent came onto the scene and the serpent said, did God actually say and in this moment, we see Satan actually stealing the word of God in Genesis chapter three, verse one. Then in this passage, Genesis 3, six, we see Eve, then Adam, stealing the fruit of God that God said, no, that's mine, it's not yours. And we see that God holds Adam accountable in verse 17. And so, and he said to Adam, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, surely you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground of you because of you and in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So he holds Adam accountable because Adam did not listen to God's voice and Adam did not trust in God's provision. This went bad real fast here in Genesis and we see thieving begin. Satan stealing the word of God and the fruit of God from the tree of God is getting stolen against God's commands. Jesus explains how this kind of theft occurs. He shares a parable in Mark chapter four, verses three through nine. He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. So this is an agricultural parable. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Remember that, we're gonna come back to that part. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then, some verses later, Jesus explains this parable that he told. Verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And then he begins to explain, and we're gonna learn some really important information. The sower sows the word. So this parable is about the word of God going out. The sower is sowing the word of God. And so the seeds that the sower is sowing, it's the word of God, the word of God, the word of God is going out, okay? And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. Now, remember, this is the one, these are the seeds where the birds came and they devoured it on the path. He, he says, the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So Jesus tells a parable to explain a spiritual reality and that is the word is sown and Satan is, is stealing it. 
Satan is stealing the word. He comes and he takes a word away that is sown. This is what happened in the garden, in the first theft. God does a Bible study. He explains his ownership of a tree. Satan comes and he steals the word of God away. He sows doubt instead of the word of God. He replaces it with doubt and deception. And then the fruit of God ends up being stolen. And this really explains Satan's approach. Satan wants to steal the word of God and rob its fruit. I'm gonna say that again. Satan wants to steal the word of God and rob its fruit. Now, I'm gonna share with you just referencing some passages. You can go up and look at uh, later of other ways that things are stolen. In Luke 18, uh, it, it talks about letting the children come to Jesus. We need to be careful not to steal opportunities for kids to hear the gospel, but for anyone to hear the gospel. We need to be careful that we don't steal opportunities of the gospel away from people. In Ephesians chapter five, it talks about our time, making the best use of our time. We need to, we need to make sure that we don't steal time that is meant to be used to accomplish God's will. So I'm just running through some examples of ways that the scripture teaches, maybe that you haven't thought of about how we can steal. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, it talks about when you're measuring things and you're weighing things, that you would have a, a full and a fair weight, a full and a fair measure. And in other words, when you're determining the value of things, uh, don't steal when you're determining the value of things through deceit or through dishonesty about how someone, how, what something's worth or how much it weighs. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 14, it says, bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes away, then he boasts. This is talking about don't steal transactionally when you're buying and selling through false representation of good, calling something bad that's actually good just so you can buy it at a lower price. That's, that's a way of stealing. We get into 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. It says this, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive. That word abusive right there, that's an opportunity where people are stealing away protection that was deserved them. Someone deserved protection and someone stole that away and was abusive instead. It says disobedient to parents. Parents deserve respect. You can steal respect away from parents. It says ungrateful. People can deserve gratitude and you can steal gratitude away from them. It says unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous. People can have a good, a good name and a good, rep, a good reputation and you can be slanderous to them and you can steal away their good name and their good reputation. It says without self-control, brutal. People can have safety and you can steal their safety away by being brutal. It says not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. It says lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then it says this, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. So, so kind of faking it. Have an appearance of godliness, they're faking it, but denying its power. The power of God's not actually in this person. What's it say? Avoid such people. You don't wanna be like that. You don't wanna be hanging out with people like that. It, it's all bad. The whole point of that passage is don't steal from others in the way you treat them. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15, it says not to be unequally yoked. So this is about partnership. It talks about partnership, fellowship, accord, portion, it's basically saying don't steal through association with those who do. Now, I wanna encourage you 
to make some progress in your mentality of ownership. Maybe you're in this mentality, maybe you're not, but I just want to encourage you that you would evaluate your thinking and you take a step towards the abundant life that Jesus has for you. The second mentality is, is the worker. It's mentality number two. And I'm actually not going to spend much time on this because I think this one is actually maybe the most obvious. Um, that as we hear this one, we'll go, yeah, it makes sense. This mentality is earned to own. It's earned to own. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, let the thieves no longer steal. That's the part of the verse we've already looked at, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. I think that is pretty much makes sense to, to us. This mentality celebrates, I worked hard for this. I worked hard for this. It's mine. That's my stuff. I worked hard for it. It's not yours. It's not your stuff. I'm not taking your stuff. You don't take my stuff. This is my stuff. I worked hard for it. Now, I think what is... Uh, possible is that we can get pretty comfortable in this mentality and this type of thinking. And I think there's something better that God has for us. And the verse kind of pushes us that way. Um, but, but there's a, there's a, a passage, it's a work metaphor in second Thessalonians chapter three, verses six through 12. I just want to read it to you. And it really affirms this kind of earn to own mentality, but it doesn't say stay there. There's opportunity for us to move into a new mentality. It says, now we commend you brothers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition you've received from us. Not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread because we were, uh, uh, because it, 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 excuse me, for you know yourselves how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn a living. There are five really strong commands to work. It's really clear. Work to earn an honest living, it's right. My encouragement is that we wouldn't stay in this place without faith because the next mentality really moves us into a place of faith. But this is a clear mentality. It's the worker mentality and it's the earn to own. And as we look at this third mentality, I think we're gonna be stretched because I think it's an opportunity for us really to grow. Um, it's an opportunity for God to do something new. And this mentality number three is the steward. And this is where you understand that you are blessed to own. This mentality celebrates I can give it back to God. That's how the steward celebrates. The steward celebrates by recognizing they've been blessed to own and they can give it back to God. Now let's look at this full verse in Ephesians chapter four, verse 28. It says, let the thief no longer steal. That's mentality number one, the thief. That's the steal to own mentality. That mentality celebrates. I didn't have to work for it. Mentality number two, but rather let him do labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Mentality number two is the worker. That's the earn to own mentality. That, that, that mentality celebrates, I earned this. I worked hard for this. And then we see mentality number three, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That's, that's the steward mentality. The steward mentality says, I understand I've been blessed to own and I'm gonna celebrate by giving back to God that which 
he has given me. I'm gonna understand that everything I have, I'm a steward of the possessions that I have. And this is, in the context here, it's very practical. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It's really practical, it's really practical. I wanna, for a moment though, I wanna take us, seeing this practical example, I wanna take us to really understand a spiritual opportunity that is in front of us. Um, I would just say it this way. When God creates Adam, he gives him the command to be fruitful and multiply and that he would be a steward of the earth. When God works with Noah and he gives him a command and he tells him to be fruitful and multiply and to be a, a steward of the earth. When God works with Abraham, he tells him that he's gonna multiply him into a great nation. He wants him to be fruitful and multiply, but he, but he has a responsibility. There's a stewardship. In fact, he says that he's gonna, God says he's gonna bless him. And the reason he's gonna bless him is so that he can be a blessing to all nations. And it's really pointing to Jesus Christ. I wanna take you into the room of the Last Supper. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29, we see Jesus explain the greatest blessing, which is salvation. It says, now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to him saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The blood of Jesus Christ atones for our sin, for the sin of those who place their faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. And this is by the grace of God. And grace transforms us. Grace transforms us from being residents of earth to being citizens of heaven. And Jesus is saying that he wants to bless us with ownership as citizens of heaven, that we would have rights as citizens of heaven, and that he's looking forward to an opportunity where he's going to Enjoy a meal with us in his Father's kingdom. When we recognize that the greatest blessing that we have is knowing Jesus Christ, when we, when we recognize that he, he's asked us to be a steward and the greatest thing we possess is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It should really inform how we have a steward mentality of possessions and material things. Um, I wanna remind you of what I shared at the beginning about what Jesus said about the thief in him. Let's go back to John chapter 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then he says, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. What is, what is Satan's goal? Satan's goal is to steal the word and to rob its fruit. But Jesus, he wants us to abide in his word so that we might bear much fruit. And the cost for this to occur is the cross, which is why uh, Jesus says at the end of John 10 in verse 11 that he lays down his life for the sheep. And there's no neutral ground. You're either on the thief's team or you're on Jesus's team. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's what the sheep do. The sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. This is what Jesus does. I give them eternal life and they'll never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We have been blessed. We have been blessed so incredibly by God. And the thing that we've been blessed with the most is our relationship with Jesus. And I wanna wanna just, I wanna remind you of these three mentalities and I wanna invite you into a challenge. Three mentalities of of ownership. The first mentality is the mentality of the thief. And the thief says, it's a mentality of stealing to own. And and the the thief celebrates, hey, I didn't have to work for it. The second mentality is, is a worker mentality. And the worker mentality is earned to own. And the worker celebrates, I I worked hard for this. And this is a good mentality, but apart from faith, It doesn't have purpose, which is why we have to move to the third mentality. And the third mentality is the steward. And the steward says, I've been blessed to own. And the steward celebrates by saying, I get to give it back to God. God gave it to me and I get to give it back to him. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Just like Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. And the greatest blessing that we have is knowing Jesus Christ. And so to the family of God, I challenge you and I invite you that you as a steward who's been blessed to be a blessing, that you would be very generous with your greatest possession and that you would be very generous with Jesus and that God would stir in us as stewards, we'd be in full surrender to him, and that we'd be so willing and so excited to celebrate about sharing Jesus with others. Father God, Lord, we love you. God, would you stir in us new understandings, new places where you can invite us to follow you. God, help us to be good stewards of all that you've given to us. We have been truly blessed because we have Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask that you would stir in us generosity with Jesus and that we become more and more generous with sharing Jesus. We would prize the treasure of Jesus. And when we think about our greatest possession, the thing we write at the top of the list is Jesus. So God, stir in us a stewardship mentality. We'd see Jesus as the best thing we got going on. Help us to be generous with Jesus. We pray this in that name, in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's family said.